Hello, welcome to Get My Basket, the podcast that helps you put your DC brand in more people's baskets. My name is Ollie, I'm the founder of 303. And I'm Jamie, the MD at 303. And in this podcast and in our newsletter, you can expect to see brands that we're loving, ads that are working super well, and much, much more. So to make sure you don't miss out, please make sure you subscribe on both audio and video platforms and head over to 303.london to sign up to our newsletter. And we hope you enjoy the episode. How are you, sir? It's almost Easter. Yes. (laughs) Should we just give up that that tale? I'm not not capable of going back in time. Well, welcome to Get My Basket. Unfortunately, we're recording this podcast late um, due to Easter, short weeks, and very busy times at 3.03. We have not had a chance to record this episode. So we're recording it a week late, which is also a day we're going to record probably two other podcasts. Our apologies. We are trying to stay on top of this, but... Life gets in the way. But how are you? Sir? Very well. Very, Very well. well. You look suntanned. Yeah, we had off our uh, monthly social yep. yesterday. Up a tree. Go ape. Lovely. Fun. I actually did enjoy it. Last time I did it, I had quite the incident that involved getting a parent to come and collect me because I was scared of heights, but I actually didn't really struggle with it yesterday. You were fine. I saw quite you up there it. in a hoodie. I don't know I why you were wearing a hoodie. Batting, right? I was quite warm. So warm. It was hot. <laughs> well, it is springtime now, so hopefully yep, there's more. I'm in my shorts now for the rest of the year. Telling is happening. That's it. Off to salon preve this afternoon. Lovely. Exciting, isn't it? Proper stuff. Lovely. Well, <clears throat> this week we're talking about a very hot topic, and actually a topic which we spoke about a lot on our event that we did on our event, in our event last month. Last month? Yeah. Um, which is really around somewhat first party data and there are a lot of elements towards first party data i think most people associate that with email sms you know consuming customers details and using Owning, them yeah exactly so we're going to go for a very over the over the horizon what's about type top level my favorite phrase um approach to first party data and explain a little bit more why we think it's so important for this year in 2022 equally before we do that let's talk about the what's hot of the week mm. which is misfits which is actually a client. Our dear pals. We've done some work with them in the past. We did some work with them in the very early days of Misfits. And since then, they have grown to be a powerhouse of a brand. Um, they did a rebrand two years ago. It must be two years ago now, yeah, beginning of COVID. But I think Misfits are just absolutely getting it right with everything they're doing. Um, what, what are your views on, on Misfits? Should we tell me what they are first? They're, probably they're, quite ve- useful. they're delicious vegan protein bars, basically. And... And assorted and other snacks goods. and all mm. that sort of stuff, but all vegan. The branding is, I'd say, pretty second to none in yep. space. Um, the likes of Grenade and stuff are a bit like aggressive for me. Yeah, I sort of don't really like it. Um, so Misfits get that right. Their comms are all really tight. Mm. Their emails bang. Yeah, make you buy. Um, socials are quite fun. Yeah, yeah, just very nice looking content. I think nice their rebrand was like with. a really good. Like, I think you see a lot of rebrands, which are sometimes like brand developments, which we've spoken about before in the past, but like the rebrand was just so well-timed and well done. Um, They've also nailed, which is what you always talk to me about, the taste factor Mm. in like FMCG brands and goods. If you don't nail taste, you can have the best brand in the world, but if the if the product doesn't hold up to it from a taste and texture perspective, yeah. it's a bit like cool. It's got protein in it, but it also tastes like chalk. Yeah, which they absolutely do not they from from experience. Um, and they also, I quite like that they bring out flavors so regularly and really cool collabs. MPD, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, which is really nice. I mean, they just I think they just done a mink chop chip 
type situation. Some birthday cake and all the all yeah, the which is really nice um, and good to see. But we are a big fan of Misfits. If you don't know about Misfits, get to know because you should know. Um, get big boxes on Amazon. Yes, do they're doing really well on Amazon. Good example. If you're a DC brand, you should be on Amazon. They're an example of that. Go and have a look. We like Amazon. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So let's talk about first party data. By the way, we talk about more about Misfits in our newsletter. Head over to 303.london forward slash blog to read the latest newsletter. You'll find it there. While you're there, please subscribe. Thank you. Um, <laughs> first party data. Yep. I feel like it's becoming your world of first party data. Not by choice, but yeah. But it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, why is first, first party data important in 2022? Good, sir. I think for a number of reasons, but... Um, it's definitely accelerated from all of the privacy updates that have been going on within iOS and all that stuff that we've bored everyone to death with by now. Yeah, um, but literally. owning the data as opposed to having access to data mm. is a complete game changer. Um, and it's definitely not like email's perfect tracking, but it's far more perfect. Yeah. Um, and I think basically what's the way that we sort of look at data now is if you looked at every email in your database as a lead, mm. it's you own the sort of whole relationship and you don't just own a you know 10 second touch point on a video or a click or whatever it is. You actually own data. And if you're smart, you might have their email, their phone number, birthday, yeah. wedding anniversary, whatever it might be. Mm. Loads of opportunities to be able to nurture the lead to the extent that you will eventually get them to convert or yeah. convert them again or and stretch lifetime value out, etc. Um, and I think that's all very compelling for brands for very clear reasons of obviously making more money and yeah. like having more access to making the money. Um, but I think what's really been like a bit of a game changer for us strategically is email is basically always just considered as a retention channel Mm. which i get why it is good at retaining people um so that's for sure valid but i think what people underestimate is the ability you can have to drive email subscribers that then you acquire customers through yeah because i think there's two what you're i suppose you're saying is the conventional way that people and in more detail d to c brands look at email is we want people's email addresses so we can send them the Black Friday code and, yeah. you know, occasionally remind them of a but sale. I guess how, the, how that email comes about yeah. normally for DTC brands is they've bought. Yes, so they're already a customer yeah. or they might be a referrer or they maybe have, you know, dropped in a sign-up or whatever. Yeah. And historically, before GDRP... GDPR. I always get that wrong, man. It's before, like live in action, people. <laughs> before that came about, a lot of people would be buying data... Um, from people of like, you can you used to be able to buy like 500 email lists and stuff. Not to be done now, is it? No, mm-hmm. but you used to be able to do that. And yeah. a lot of people, I think, are still living in that world of like, I can just, I can find that data, mm. you know, use it. They're already a customer and I'll just hit them with maybe an abandoned car email if they're a return shopper or yeah. whatever it might be. Or but that's not the way to really churn out it. a boring newsletter or whatever it might be. But I think like that, that age of that, like, well, that attitude of email, I yeah. think, has been the reason that it's now where we're at, yeah. which is people were lazy with email and therefore email felt like a bit of a, like, maybe it represented like 10% of your revenue and it sort of ticked over from abandoned car, maybe yeah. a newsletter, etc. But now with the level of automation, segmentation and all that stuff that you can do, you can get super gamey with it and mm. really game each of the different people. Like, yeah. you know, someone who's 
well, I think like the scenario that we're playing out a lot now is that you buy email addresses as opposed to buying customers. Mm. So and when I say that, I mean, you know, driving ads that say sign up to our newsletter as opposed to come and buy our chair. Yeah. Chair, so you kind of put it, this. you know, you're you're putting someone into a funnel that then you can yeah. utilize utilize. The well, data. I think I think like the really obvious thing to make clear for a DTC brand is if you're not capable of tracking perfectly yeah. purchases. Which is harder than ever. Which is harder than ever and you just can't do it perfectly anymore regardless of what someone might tell you, yep. that's not possible. You can pretty much perfectly track buying emails. Yep. So for like some of our customers who, customers, clients, who have, you know, pr- products that are always going to take longer than seven days within the attribution window to, to actually convert someone, if we can say we can buy email addresses for you at 50p per email mm. and scale that budget up and then on the back end prove that there is a three-week lag time on yep. average and like blah, 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 you then have a customer f- for life as or a potential customer for life as opposed to one customer that you haven't got that much clarity on where they've come from or who mm. they are or what they do, you know, whatever. So what we now do for a lot of clients and something that I would encourage every DTC brand to be thinking about is driving conversions towards get data capture as opposed to purchase capture. Yeah. You've got more clarity like I've just explained, but then you also have a world of opportunity within the flows. So let's say that they've signed up and they've come in and bought something. The, the very fact that they've bought something or not bought something puts mm. them in a different list and then they start to get really, again, like gaming the system of they've spent... 200 pounds how could we get them to spend 500 a grand they've bought a 150 pound item they like it they've left a five-star review they go into a list that probably means they're going to buy again let's serve them a 300 pound thing and their their emails whatever so i think it's just gone so far beyond churning out newsletters Mm. boring product updates and and a you know crap shopify abandoned cart yeah it's now pretty sophisticated and i think basically where that leaves you is you've got much and why we're so keen on it at the minute and why our clients are, you can quite clearly see growth areas. You can really easily measure stuff. Um, It's much richer content. People read emails for way longer than they look at social ads or Google ads or anything else. Um, So you can expect a bit bit more sort of, um, yeah, uh, attention span from people. Um, And again, like if you treat it... Gaston, um, if you treat it kind of like lead nurturing, lead generation and lead nurturing is probably the most easy way to explain it to someone who is not that familiar with all the nuances of it. You drive the lead, lead may be aware of you, but they're mm. not considerate of you yet. No. And that's, yeah, we yeah. basically keep warming them and warming them and then try to eventually so what, strike. So what would you say is the most important, like, you know, let's let's put a few scenarios in place because I think it'll be useful for people. The first thing is, what's the best way to grow your first party data? And I, I want to, I know we're going to talk about email here a lot, but I'm talking about what information do you need from a customer in an ideal world? The things to look out for, obviously, first name, um, second name, date of birth is obviously very important. Um, email, phone number, they're like the top five yep. that we would probably say. To go into that more, address is always very useful because you very few people ever do. Give but that. it's very but, yeah. hard to get, um, especially in like the UK. I think it's more common in the states and those sorts of things. Equally, if you're someone's already purchased as a customer, they're like you're likely to have shipping details and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what else is is quite important to have? I think it it depends brand to brand, but like for gifting brands, I love getting as much detail on birthdays or like key for like partners' birthdays, yeah. all that sort of stuff anniversaries 
obviously if it's gifting products you also instantly have like valentine's day and like yeah. all those other sort of things obviously christmas etc to sort of build a flow around so if you've got a gift apt product mm. absolutely churn that out if you're in fitness i think a simple question could be like describe your level of fitness currently or level of activity currently yeah. like what's your favorite it, sport even, yeah, like, what's your favorite yeah. Sport, whatever it is and then you can start to personalize the content which i think and is, is really there, key. Do, you, do you think obviously no this question I always ask these questions if i don't know the answer but the balance between two, getting, gaining too much data and gaining too little data, do you think there's a balance there? So let's say, for example, you're going to ask for name and address and phone number. People are quite likely to go, yeah, that's fine. I've got my autofill and Apple turned on, yeah, in yeah. it goes. But if you start to ask more questions at an early stage of a funnel, do you think that can often yeah. mitigate things? It's, it's literally like increasing the CPA of a purchase. Like yeah. You target a more likely to convert audience and then the cost of yeah. acquiring that obviously goes up. And I guess there are ways around that of if you gain email address and phone numbers, yeah, start it's, off it's, with, it's, you it's, can go and find... Well, it's just a balance, isn't it? Like if, you, if you went out and generated 1,000 emails for like 10p each off a hunt, whatever pounds of ad spend quick maths slow maths <laughs> yeah friday you were um, last night mm, yeah um if you go out and do that and then in the subs in the sort of following six weeks you see zero conversions you know yeah. that you've probably drive driven emails that are too cheap and you need yeah. to get more you know essentially it's a bit like driving traffic really cheaply yeah great but if you've got a really high bounce rate, obviously it would be better to have more expensive traffic and mm. a lower bounce rate. Um, so to that end, what I would try and aim for is test and maybe test ads that ask for email address and name, nothing else. Yep. Then do another one that's, you know, four different things. If four seems fine, mm. adapt into four together. and then maybe flesh out further and further. It's just a test and learn exercise. Cool. So, mm, goodness me. Sorry. It's all my popping off. My phone's going uh, quietly crazy. I'm going on do not stop. Um, how do you build an email database? Well, how do you build a database for first part of day? Before I actually ask that question, sorry to jump around, how important is a mobile number? SMS marketing, how important is it? For anyone familiar with Domino's Pizza, mm. their entire business was built off the back of SMS mm. to a large extent. So, Have people forgotten about it because of things like WhatsApp business and other ways of messaging? I, ju I just think, like, email... People have very low levels of like protectivity, protection, protect whatever the word is. Yeah. Like they're not that protective of their email inbox. Like no. that you get spam with shite all the time. And people often. I have, have an email emails. which I'm quite protective of, and otherwise it's just like. Give me a three three to London. It's not that one, thankfully. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it was that one. <laughs> but like people, people are quite happy to be sent stuff of value. Yeah. SMS. And but and sorry, the caveat with email is the. The, if they don't want to read it, they just don't. And then you, yeah. get, you get a low open rate, which is a separate issue. SMS is three or four times more likely to be open than an email. So just doing basic maths on that, like if someone's opened something and there's something compelling in there, they're much more likely to convert. So mobile numbers are pretty next and WhatsApp and other stuff. I think people are so convenience led now mm. um and if they've given over the information and they can remember giving over the information crucially yeah like there's just no real invasiveness guess, issue i don't think anymore yeah one thing you just said about not give, remembering giving over the information because like our this newsletter this podcast we we do this like this is how we've grown you know the the, the people that open our newsletter every week and we'll go into the i guess how we how we've built it to where it is but people do forget handing over their data 
Mm. There needs to be a way to deal with that, unfortunately. A lot of the time, people have always got the backup because of new laws in the UK. It is different from around the world. If you're tuning in from Delhi, it's probably a bit different for you. But um, in the UK in particular, people go straight away, how did you get my phone number? How did you get my email? You We've know, done lead gen for clients before where you'll call them and you'll be like, I didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, or like, exactly. Well, yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> like, or, and, and, and a lot of the time it's due to the way we're gaining the data, which is often often social media ads. It's 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 on websites and it's auto-filled, whatever it might be. So it does happen. Having a plan in place is really important for that and making sure you've got something to, you know, good responses and good, I guess, custom service there is, is really key. But how do you grow your database? What are, the, what are the top three techniques you would use? Top three. This is a question everyone always asks, by the way. So, like, this is the, the is a bit of a golden question. So, the answer isn't just like definite, but I think there's a there are a few things. One is giving value of relevance in your emails. Yeah. So, there's a couple of clients that we work with. So, current who database who shall re- remain nameless, but like, like they are occupying a very specific segment of a specific market, solving a very specific issue. Yeah giving value for free off the back off the back of knowing that people are interested in that is something people are likely to want. Yeah. For instance, I might subscribe to whatever, like a recipe email that mm. just comes in and like getting value from it. So like it's good to subscribe to as yeah. an example. So the content needs to be good. Yeah. I don't think any of the subsequent things I'll say can remedy the content being crap yeah so like even if you've got 10 people on your newsletter don't worry about getting to 11 worry about nurturing those 10 because they will automatically gain other yeah, value in some ways for sure that but i think also just in terms of like actually driving generation of email addresses yeah like even if you've got like the next thing i was going to say some level of offer mm-hmm. like or exclusive you know releases whatever you want to sort of say yeah that isn't going to excuse crap content yes. so you do need rich media of sorts in there, which hopefully our newsletter provides. Yeah, Jamie. hopefully it does. Mm. Well, I think it does. It's like it's it adds value basically. It's no like I've not read a get in my basket. Or I've gone that's made me stupider, like or more which stupid, surprising, which is I, amusing. I, I, I write quite a lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you do. Um, so that's the next one. Offers of some capacity is yep. the best. Like that is the best way. I think something to touch on there again on the testing front is ten percent off, ten quid off free gift on first purchase, yeah. whatever you might want to go for, you just need to test them because it's rarely that it they're doesn't all the work. same. Like, yeah, there's no sweet spot. There's no like discount percentages work the most. There, Percentage there is off is the one that we test most successfully, I would say. Yes, but I think for wider thoughts on industry, size of brand, price of product, all those things, like I've seen before, and again, no clients of ours have done this, but like, 10 pound products where it's like five percent off it's like people then look at them like and they're like oh it doesn't work percentage i'm like yeah because you've probably got to think about giving them like buy and get one free or like you know people are quite switched on yeah 10 percent off of 500 quid items meaningful i think people have got better at percentage maths because of facebook Mm, because there are so many ads that do that which is works and is valid but you know you've got to be careful around it but yeah i think um the, the the offer is really about testing, like running the same creative with different offer that actually is the same value to the to the consumer, but testing it better. You know, you're you're gonna you're gonna get something there, but it's a good way to gain yep. subscribers. Uh, I've got two more. You asked well, for three. Okay, we're getting more value. We're getting value here, boy. One is referral. So, like within getting my basket, is like if a friend's forwarded you this, 
mm. subscribe yep. like that again if the content's rich and value additive i think that works really well that's how i've subscribed to a bunch of the newsletters that i read on a daily basis yep the likes of morning brew and things like that um which are really really good newsletters um i got forwarded by a friend in the first place or the motley fool and like various mm-hmm. other kind of more financial ones um and then the last is the most basic but giveaways do work still so yep. so is that the, organic or is that using paid i think well, you can do both but i think there is that's the one where there is the highest risk of shite data and dross yeah. so you can get a volume like but i'll give away a ferrari for my food brand yeah. to drive emails you might get a shitload of subscribers that's just because everyone wants the ferrari it's not because they give a crap yeah. about your food so it's, i guess it's lining up with strategy i think a lot of people yeah. think that there's volume in you're a dc brand you want a thousand subscribers people just get to that number as opposed to going 200 that are really engaged like it's a it's a conversation we've had before around followers and all yeah, that kind of stuff so like, you know it is a bit of a play and, and I, I get it like in terms of if you get a thousand really engaged consumers like well done um, i get that um interesting what is the for you and the kind of paid the paid landscape how much budget if you know if you want to prioritize email within Meta and you know other other platforms, I guess, how much budget do you really need to use in order to test the opportunity? As a percentage of your overall budget, you're spending a thousand pounds. Let's let's keep it small. A thousand pounds a month, unless you know, let's say ten thousand pounds a month yeah. on on ads, just because there is an argument to say a thousand is just not working ten, anymore. Ten thousand, I would say, ten percent probably. And do you think over a longer period of time that's going to gain more value for the brand than? Well, spending? we're saying it with one one client specifically that we started doing email for about four or five months ago. They were virtually doing zero email marketing, and it's now a quarter of their revenue almost. Yeah, on a monthly basis, and that's growing by like several percent per month at the moment. And we see such a clear alignment between drive an email, yeah, get them into the welcome flow, yeah, spit them out as a customer that just works yeah so for them it literally might get to the point where we spend 100 well not 100 but like 80 percent of our yeah ad spend on data gathering yeah because email is just so the smoothest operator in Completely. terms of getting them through and obviously we offer email marketing as a service here we're building out a team that's very exciting around it what um i want to talk about flows mm. and we can we can kind of line this up with sms as well but um Let's let's stick with email because I think it's where more people are comfortable to operate as a brand, um, especially in the UK. How important are getting the flows right within email marketing? Like, how important is it to make sure that you have got frequent touch points and mm. something of a structure around how you're pulling them through a possible funnel? Well, very important. I think the I think the thing that's a huge benefit to using an agency like us. Um, would be that obviously we've got several accounts and we're seeing which flows are working where and like shared learnings we will always say are a big benefit to using an agency like 303 or Mm. one of the many others that are around the place you do get benefits from having like them running 15 paid ad accounts and then you see a trend that's working and you're a creative that's working you get it you know slapped across your account which is great with email that's like probably the biggest venue for it like if you see like a welcome flow for instance uh, for instance or if we're seeing like for a re-engagement flow so someone bought two years ago and hasn't been back since mm. if we can get a re-engagement offer and flow that's working really really well yeah that's that's absolutely key but i mean bella being the main person here she she does play around with the thing a lot mm. um and i think 
normally we start with like four or five six flows and then more sophisticated accounts can end up with tens of flows mm. depending on various different things a big thing that i i'm quite a big fan of is it's a really easy upsell thing that doesn't require any like major development on the website yeah. or cross-selling tool so like a lot of websites as i'm sure people will be more than um more than familiar with amazon even do it of like you may also like this or people also bought this that is a really good piece of ux like i think people enjoy yeah. that and it's obviously a great way to increase your basket but with email you can be so much more particular mm. and if like you can literally prescribe if anyone has bought this selection of desk chairs like they've and then they've rated it yeah on trustpilot then putting them into a flow saying they might well like the standing desks that we also sell yeah. or whatever it might Amazon be. Amazon do a lot of that. They do loads of that. Yeah. So that cross-selling, upselling exercise is the way that flows work super well. However, you do just find ones that don't work. And mm. like you, there's, you know, obviously over time you'll build up enough data to not have to do this. But when you're hypothesizing what may work, that is a challenge. And you mm. just have to, it is a bit of trial and error. Yeah, for sure. Um, my, my, sort of cheat sheet for that would be to use an agency because you would just have more, see it, more opportunities for learnings. What do you think the, uh, kind of touching the trial and error, what are the biggest errors you think people are making with using first party data? Annoying people is the biggest issue. It's the same with ads. If your frequency is too high and people see your ads the whole time, you get reported. And do you know who I th I've not seen in a while? Who? AG1. Haven't you? No. I've seen Athletic one like half recently. Really? But uh, thankfully, pissing off. Um... <laughs> which is great news for us all. Yeah. Um, annoying people, I would say, is the biggest risk. I would also say, if you're investing money into email, yeah. like actually invest money into email and don't make it like an afterthought exercise because well, just no Yeah, I, I guess that's leading into my, my final question on this is like, how important is this in the scope of the channels that people have? I, if I was a DC brand owner, I would not run a single paid... I wouldn't put one pound into paid media unless I had email working well. So unless you had email set up and functioning, you wouldn't... I wouldn't launch. spend a pound on ads. Mm. Not one pound. I would also be slow to do anything website-related as well. Website dev is expensive. Ad spend is expensive. Yep. Email marketing being an owned channel is something that you can really tightly control yep. and you don't need, you know our email marketing people will be more cost-effective than a developer will, mm. just because developers are obviously hot in demand, as people will know. Yeah. Um, it's a place that you can really control the customer experience to like a huge extent, and you can really measure it all, and it's it's all very precise, and yeah, you see it all happening, essentially. So, yeah, I think my main things would be if you're going to do it, do it properly. Don't just churn out like some crap blog that no one cares about because you will just you yeah. will get people out quicker than you've got them in. Yeah, which I think is key. Like when you're dry, I think again to my point around not spending pounds until you've got a really good content plan of like what emails are going to be sent out, mm. like, what are you going to be talking about, how are you actually going. I think a good question is: um, Are we actually offering any value in this email? Yeah. Like, if you can't answer that confidently with a big yes, do not send the email. Because there For is sure. a chance that people will not open it, think uh, they've, there's been a few crap ones from them now, and then unsubscribe. Spam them, at least. Yeah, or whack you and spam. Yeah. And, then stuff. and I think that what you just said about unsubscribe is something we, we speak about in the newsletter, but making it easy to unsubscribe is more valuable than making it really difficult. 
when people go like, we're sorry to see you go, and then you have to click 12 boxes. I'm just honestly, like, honestly, you don't I want now, to ever go near not that. Not only do again. I want to ups- unsubscribe from you, I now hate you. <laughs> like, you've become admin. Exactly. Um, very good. Well, thank you for your insightful talks today. Even though you're hungover, you're actually quite knowledgeable. Thank you. Thank you. Well, as always, thank you very much for listening and watching the podcast today. If you are listening to us on Apple or Spotify, remember to follow and subscribe. If you are watching us over on YouTube, do subscribe and like the video, please, and leave a comment if you enjoyed it. Finally, to subscribe to our newsletter, head over to 303.london and you will have a lovely pop-up appear and you can subscribe for all the latest insights and knowledge. Jamie, thank you very much, sir. Hope you have a good week. We'll see you soon. Ciao. Ciao, bye.